This is Writing Excuses, episode 22. How did you, when to do things that are unpopular? 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm still Howard. Okay. All right. When to do things that are unpopular? This is a topic a lot of people have actually asked me about. And um, Howard and I were sitting and discussing at the gym what can we talk about? Well, um, you know, would have been better if we'd been working out and yeah, discussing at the gym, should've. but we were indeed sitting. As a writer, it's really hard sometimes to balance when to do what the reader wants and when to do what you think is best for the story. Dan, how do you decide when to do things that are unpopular? Okay, unpopular okay. might not be the best word here mm -hmm. because I think that there are some things that end up being very popular even though the reader will hate you at the time. Okay, let's define that then. Let's, let's okay. split this out. So for example... Difference between unpopular and um, bad moves for yeah. your book. Yeah. The, <laughs> One of the great things about being a writer is you can do things to a reader that they would never do to themselves. <laughs> you know? Okay. You, you can take Frodo and Sam all the way up to the crack of doom and then have Frodo not do it. Yeah. You know? Have him back off and, and be corrupted. And, and a, a reader would say, no, no, that's horrible. But mm -hmm. it works perfectly narratively because yeah. it, it makes the character arcs work better. It gives Sam his great moment in the sun. It makes Gollum do his thing. It works, but a reader would never do it to themselves. And so, okay. in a certain way, that's unpopular, but the reader will thank you for it after because you made it really work really okay. well. Does sometimes that hurt you? Does it, can, it, can it impact sales? Can it impact readership? I've had readers say before, and I've heard people read a book and say, I'm never going to read this author again because they're too mean to their characters or um, they kill people I don't like. Um, I, or they kill people you do like. Yeah, keep people, I mean, they mm -hmm. kill people you do like. Um, I, I, you know, did this hurt Serenity? Um, spoilers for Serenity, turn off the podcast now if you're not going to want to know. But did this hurt Serenity? If you're not familiar with the show, Joss Whedon killed off one of the most beloved characters from the series in the movie. Um, was that a good idea? Was that a bad idea? Howard? It was absolutely necessary in order to save the film. Okay. Because it was a science fiction film that was striving to be defining within its genre. Uh -huh. It was striving to be more than just your classic good versus evil set in the future yeah. film. And we needed to believe that anybody in our plucky band of heroes could yeah. die. And so they took my favorite character, yeah. and I think your favorite Mine. character. I think most people's favorite. Yeah. But they took the, the funny, it's Wash, yeah. yeah. Wash dies. Um, they take Wash and uh, kill him in a very surprising moment. In fact, mm -hmm. in his moment of triumph, yeah, he dies mm -hmm. very, very unexpectedly, and that sets the tone for the I rest of the film. I think that made the film a much better film. Did it hurt it at the box office? I don't know. The, the film was a box office disappointment. Here's another example um, of someone who did something different. Empire, or not Empire, Return of the Jedi. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but there's a famous um, discussion where they actually filmed the Millennium Falcon blowing up at the end with, with the Death Star and not escaping. Um, wow. They showed it to test audiences mm -hmm. and had such a bad reaction. Now, Han wasn't in the Millennium Falcon at this point. Um, this is Lando, um, and, and his you know, funky in, in his funky sidekick. But that it's everyone loves Lando. He's um, you know he's the, he's the, the yeah the mm -hmm. guy who's come back from you know he's made bad decisions and come and help the good guys. He's he's a great repentant character. Um, and the Millennium Falcon is a symbol. They decided to not 
use that scene and film a new one of it surviving. Was that a good idea? When do you do this? Yes, and it was a good idea because destroying the Millennium Falcon would have been an artificial cost uh -huh. for their victory because yeah. we don't care about the co-pilot. We didn't even know his name. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a name. Lando Calrissian. Oh, he has a name. He they a named name. him for the, um, for the figures. The I'm sure. Of it. Yeah. Uh, anyway. But okay. yeah, I know what you're talking about. You it just is, watched the film. It is an yeah. artificial no cost right. because they've already won at that point. Mm -hmm. they don't, he doesn't have to sacrifice himself in order to blow up the Death Star. I think one of the other reasons it was a good idea to change that is because the moment when that ship comes flying out of that tunnel yeah. with the ball of fire is one of the best moments it is one in of the, the trilogy, iconic I think. Moments. Yeah. It is. Now, they could have, in that film, they could have killed Luke. Yeah. You think? I think they could have killed Luke. Okay. Um, it would have been, honestly, it would have been a lot gutsier. It mm -hmm. wouldn't have fit the, the spirit of yeah. the first film, certainly. But mm -hmm. that's the sort of thing that, looking back on it, had that yeah. been done, we would all have looked back and we would have forgiven George Lucas for that. And we would have said, this is so poignant that, you know, Luke died in order to save his father in order to save whatever that uh and and han and leia go yeah. on to propagate jediism so what i'm getting from the podcasters and i actually agree with this is um stick to your guns yeah is what what i'm hearing from you guys mm -hmm. don't try and second guess what's what's going to be popular with the audience what's not going to be popular with the audience do what makes the best story yeah. As long, well, yes. Yes. As, okay. But as caveat. long as it makes the best story. Okay. Because right. let's look, you know, if, if, as long as we've evoked the ghost of Star Wars and yeah. look at the, the prequel trilogy in which he, that is just brimming with unpopular stuff. Uh -huh. It is overflowing with unpopular decisions. And in a lot of cases, they are not decisions that make the movies better. Okay. So how do you make this distinction? I think this is the most important thing that we could talk about in this podcast is how do you make that distinction? What's the difference between looking and saying, okay, people hate Jar Jar, we're not going to do this, and looking and saying, you know what, people are going to hate me because I killed this beloved character, but it's going to make the story better, so I'm going to do it anyway. Well, looking at Jar Jar as, as an example, uh, Lucas's obvious goal with Jar Jar was yeah. let's create a funny sidekick. Right. And what he ended up doing was creating an annoying sidekick. Yeah. That's not an unpopular decision. That's absolute <laughs> abject Poorly failure of execution. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, they needed a cute sidekick. That would have been okay. awesome. He just did it poorly. They did it wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. You know, I, I think there's also a larger issue here, and, and possibly to the point of a can of worms, is uh, you know, your just story in general. I mean, we've talked about on the podcast before how the, the, I've written six books. One of them got published, or is getting published. The other five will probably never be published because yeah. they're so weird, no one will want to read them. Okay. And at some point, I had to say, okay, this is what I want to write, but... What I want to write is not necessarily what anyone else wants okay. to read, and I have to find the overlap between those two groups. I'm actually going to uncan of worms that and say that's, that's the topic for this podcast. <laughs> that's exactly what we're trying to talk <laughs> about When here. do you decide, and I, I've thought about this a lot, when do you decide to say, okay, you know what, this is something only I would be interested in. I'm going to chase some, you know, well, chase the market's a bad way to say it, but, you know, people often a ask me, um, what's popular right now? What's selling right now? And I do think, you know, usually I tell them, oh, don't, don't focus on that. Write what you love. Mm -hmm. Well, Dan is proof that always writing exactly what you love <laughs> may not be the best business choice. Wait, what Dan, you know, Dan wrote what he loved yeah. and then realized that 
part of what he loved, I'm going to say 80% of what he loved, was the idea of being able to write for a living. Right. And all you, yeah. had, all you had to do is make a couple of small changes to the way you constructed some of these stories, and that enables you to sell a Mm -hmm. enables you to sell a book. That's yeah. the sort of artistic compromise that I'm all about. I mean, which which two words, <laughs> schlock and mercenary, don't point that up? Yeah? Now, okay. now, you know, one of the things you said, though, is people ask you, what's popular right now? The easiest and most true answer to that mm -hmm. is good writing is yeah. what's yeah. popular yeah. now. Yeah, and so to yeah. a certain degree, anything you write, if you do it well, people will read. All right. This week, Writing Excuses is brought to you by Buy Dan Bacon. That's right, Dan needs bacon badly because his book from Tor isn't out in print yet. So if you go back to the Writing Excuses webpage, I know you're sitting in front of your iPod now listening to this in your car, go back to the web, writingexcuses.com, scroll down on the right-hand side, you will see Dan's lovable, handsome, impoverished face over a link that says buy Dan Bacon. It's his Amazon wish list. Everything there is bacon related. I want to ask Howard specifically, um, hopefully this podcast won't come before this comes out in the, um, in the strip, <laughs> but we were talking about something. I mentioned the gym because we were talking about a scene where you're planning to have a character do something wildly unpopular and you realized that would ruin the character and I would lose readers. Yeah. Tell us about that. Why? Okay. Why did you decide? Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and give yeah. spoilers. We have uh, Captain Tagon who has authorized, essentially authorized the abduction of somebody who's trying to browbeat his way onto the ship and discovers after having this person uh, forcibly escorted onto the ship, after threatening to throw this guy out yeah. of the airlock, discovers he's a journalist. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, no sooner have I written that than I see a trailer for the Daniel Pearl story and I start seeing some very uncomfortable parallels. Oh, my heroes are kidnapping journalists and threatening to kill them. Mm -hmm. this, this is the sort of thing that could be death for the whole comic. But it was in character for Tagon to say and do yeah. what he did. It'd be in character for him to toss him out the airlock. It'd probably. still be in character yeah. for him to toss him out the airlock. And so what, what I realized I needed to do, I, I set some ground rules. Okay, rule number one, the journalist has to live. I can make him as annoying as possible to justify having him thrown out of the airlock, but he still has to live. Because that's a line that for this purpose... Uh, at, at this point, anyway, he has to live. Mm -hmm. I can't cross that line right now. Second, you can't have your heroes kill an innocent Tagon, journalist. Tagon cannot back down from his, his strong man sort of position mm -hmm. because that's who he is. And so I continue their dialogue, and Tagon makes another threat. Uh, the, the guy asks, you know, can I have, I'll do an interview, can I have my own equipment? No, I'm not letting you bring your equipment on my ship. We'll provide you with recording equipment. Well, I must insist, you know, I have my own artistic integrity. How does your artistic integrity do if you're being thrown out the airlock? Yeah. Am I filming it with my own equipment? <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's got a light turn to it, but he does not back down. And then NSB comes in, and this is really where yeah. I'm headed with this. Mm -hmm. NSB comes in and, and plays the part that the reader wants to play, yeah. which is I need to get in between these two characters and say, whoa, 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 let's take on you can't do this, and, mm -hmm. and explains to him why. But I couldn't back down from it. I have to let that play itself out. But Otherwise, the characters... You decided not to have the main character kill the journalist. Right. Because it's against the tone of the comic, you think? It, it's against the tone of, it is against the tone of the comic, and it, 
it would it would hurt the readers. The and, readers yeah. would read it, and it would not be cathartic. It would be painful. It would be it would be poorly executed. So what I did instead is I treat that whole situation as tension because your book has to have tension. Yeah. Your story has to have conflict, conflict that has to be resolved and that doesn't look like it's going to be resolved peacefully, and then it is. And I think that in... I bring this thing up because um, I see a lot of web comics personally, um, cutting corners in this area. Um, they are willing to let their characters do things they wouldn't normally do. Um, and actually offend me as a reader, not because I don't want to read that, but because it's against the tone of the comic. It's yeah. against what I love about the comic to get a joke. Um, and it, it actually really bothers me because I think it, it actually, I think, undermines their artistic integrity, even though they can make the argument, oh, I'm going the place that readers don't expect me to go, therefore it's more artistic. No, I think you've created a tone for your story. Um, and a promise to me. It's not just a me. tone for the story. Yeah. It's, and this is, this is going to be the nature of comic strips. It's mm -hmm. also going to be the nature of books within a given series. Yeah. There is a promise within yeah. a comic strip that, for instance, Schlock Mercenary always can have a punchline. Yeah. If I turn it into an emo uh, romance drama yeah. thing, like I have so broken a promise. Like so many other webcomics before. Yeah. I, I, I have broken a promise. I yeah. just can't do that. There are rules that I have to adhere to unless I decide to say, and thus endeth mm -hmm. Schlock Mercenary, and, and now I'm going to go launch something, something else. else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So one of the ways I think that the listeners can, can learn how to do this mm -hmm. is find the overlap. You know, yeah. That's how I ended up writing the book that eventually got published. I took what I like yeah. and said, okay, these are the things I want to write about. How can I do that in a way that will make it marketable? Okay, that's, I, that's Which, perfect. Yeah. And, and so you had to find that. I, I had to say, well, I really like to write about you know, weird, quirky characters. You know, I would love to do something from the point of view of a bad guy. I would love to you know, do something no one else has ever done. And so I set this all out, but then gave myself who limits. Tells you what the, who tells you what the market acceptable elements are, though? How do you get that piece of the practice. puzzle? You practice, a you read. A lot of that's practice, yeah, and knowing the market. Um, though, you know, one thing I do think we have to bring that's out. That's not what our listeners want to hear. <laughs> they don't want to be told they need to practice. You're doing something unpopular, uh, Brandon. Oh, man. All right, I'll, I'll kill off the character. Jordo? Yeah. <laughs> You're dead, sorry. Well, I was going to actually have him shoot you, but. Oh, um, <laughs> Jordo thinks that's a bad idea. That would have been surprising yet inevitable. Um, one thing. character. I think we need to bring up at the end of this podcast is George R. R. Martin because he has made a career from his current series out of doing out of the unpopular his thing. Readers thumbs. Of, yeah, of doing the most evil unpopular things to the readers he, that is imaginable and it works beautifully. Um, and that's, you know, I think if I have any wrapping up um, comments, it's to kind of, I think I've learned by, through this podcast, it's the tone. If you give promises to the reader, George R. R. Martin promises this is going to be a brutal book where even your favorite characters can die. This is my promise. Um, you've promised me a comic strip where I'm going to follow lovable rogues who are going to do some nasty things, but they're not going to really, really be bad guys. They're going to be good at heart. And, and they're going to laugh. Yes, and I'm going to laugh. And that's a difference between those two tones. And I'll accept George R. R. Martin's characters doing it and actually kind of cheer them on as they do when I won't um, with your characters because of the promises. 
Um, final words. Yeah, I, I want to say an, a very important part of the artistic process is learning how to rein yourself in. Mm. In a lot of the cases where you're saying, I have to follow my muse on this one, I have to do what I want, yes, but within limits, you know? You, you, you have to make sure that you're creating good art, not just art. Art. Okay. Howard, anything? Uh, what Dan said. Okay. Um, let's do a writing prompt. We're going to throw this one in your direction, Dan. Uh, what Dan said again. Ooh, yeah. So, let's Dan hear on it. Dan again. What you got? Okay. Um, I would like you, I mean, we talked about uh, just now, I mentioned how I like to write uh, books from the point of view of bad guys. I would like uh, you guys to write uh, a scene, even if just a scene, from the point of view of a frontline grunt in an undead army. Okay. The poor schlub that gets, you know, thrown against the enemy's spears and dies and then reanimated and it happens again and again. I, I'd like to see I that. need to add to the writing prompt. You are not allowed to use the word brains. <laughs> Very nice. Because <laughs> there are no brains involved here. <laughs> this has been Writing Excuses. Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye, Dan and Bacon. So this is Christmas. Okay. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.